Welcome to the Fukoma Podcast, Season 2, Episode 7. On this episode, I interview Rich Kimball and Carrie Haskell, the host and co-host of Downtown with Rich Kimball. Uh, his show is on WZON, which actually is, is a, a Bangor-based radio station owned by none other than Stephen King. Uh, I myself have actually had a radio show on this station for the past three or four years called Shut Up and Eat. We're basically at 5.30 every day. I uh, dial in and basically talk about what started as just food and now as I just kind of ramble and, and talk about whatever I want. But uh, it's funny because it's up in northern Maine, so I don't really get a lot of feedback. There may be people out there who absolutely hate me. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I just kind of, I just do the show. And I have fun doing it, and I love these guys, so I thought it'd be great to kind of turn the tables a little bit and go into the studio and record an episode uh, with me interviewing them. Uh, it's pretty amazing, the range of guests that have been on the show, uh, the amount of experience they both had, uh, which, you'll, which will be evident when you listen to the episode. It's really incredible, and I was really, really happy that they agreed to do this podcast, so I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Fukuma Podcast, Season 2, Episode 7. Wow. That's amazing. We're really getting there. I'm here with <laughs> the hosts of the Downtown with Rich Kimball show, uh, Rich Kimball, hey. and co-host, Carrie Askell. Hi. Hello. <laughs> I was I was wondering how I was going to phrase that. I'm like, do I say both their names and then say Downtown with Rich Kimball after? Or I'm going to say his name a bunch. Right in a row. I think uh, Rich Kimball's Downtown with Rich Kimball featuring Rich Kimball. Uh, that works. Bob Loblaw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who is that guy? Oh, that was, uh, well, was Harry, uh, Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler, Who friend of Downtown. Guest yeah. on this show. Yeah. Um, in fact, so the show, if you, if you aren't familiar with it, I actually have a segment every Friday. Uh, Best on, part of the week. On this show, on the Downtown show, uh, called Shut Up and Eat, which initially started as a kind of a food segment on people's drive home. And it's just become now like we all kind of catch up with each other and talk about everything. <laughs> and I look forward to it very much. And I, I will say much like the podcast, I enjoy that much more. I mean, I love the food segments, but it's nice to just talk about whatever's on our minds. Yeah. I mean, how much is, food is, is great. And I think about it constantly and it's, you know, certainly an obsession and uh, it's something I know a lot about, but if it, if I'd rather talk about, politics or you know ghostbusters 2 or something like i feel like I, sh I should be able to do that <laughs> you know it's it's better than you know trying to think of something about food to talk about when you aren't quite you know feeling it so well the best conversations are usually had over food so there, there's a natural progression there i think absolutely and or the best conversations on this show are usually had over the spiced rum that you bring back from New Orleans <laughs> that I wasn't sure if there'd be a bottle or not. Uh, so, so I brought my wine just I, in case. I'd have to walk all the way over to my office for that. Yeah, well, that would be, you know, 
Carrie did ask him, Joe, uh, when Joe does the podcast, is he, is he drinking this week? Does he? Uh, I do. I don't, I don't probably don't drink as much as, or as quickly as I do for our five minute segment. Um, <laughs> I have to kind of, I have to keep together a little bit more, sure. but I certainly enjoy uh, a, a sip every now and then. So, you know, if there was to be a bathroom break or something, you know, that's just a, uh, things happen. You know, <laughs> you know it, uh, it is radio. So having a little bit of rum in the office is completely allowed. Yeah. I feel like you got to kind of keep it Brockmire. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I wish. You know, that's, because speaking of which, you know, uh, your kind of alter ego, you have several alter, alter egos, Rich, uh, is a sportscaster. You are the play-by-play voice of the Maine, uh, the University of Maine Black Bears. I am, yes. You've been doing that for about 20 years now? Yeah, 20, I think 24, 23, 24 years yeah. on radio and did it... Uh, did it on TV a few years um, before that, back in the early '90s, with the uh, the New Center main crew, Channel Two and Channel Six. So, been doing it a long time. Have you have you ever kept it Brock Meyer during one of those productions? <laughs> or? <laughs> I have stepped to the line and looked over it, you know. But I'm, so no. far, I've kept it. In, haven't gone quite in check. Off, there off are the there rails. are horror stories. I get. I get fired up doing those games yeah. and, you know, try not to be a, a complete homer for the <laughs> University of Maine. But obviously I'm happier if Maine wins right. than if they lose. And then there have been times because you get emotionally invested. You're traveling no. with the team. You get to know the guys. <laughs> yeah. And there have been a few moments. One year when it, it wasn't going well, Maine was playing New Hampshire. And I think they needed the win to make the playoffs. And, and this one receiver who led the nation in catches that year, I think caught 17 passes against Maine. And and I believe my call went something like, uh, pass over the middle, ball, has it, first down, New Hampshire. Why would you cover the best receiver in the country? Why not leave him wide open? See, you're, now, now you're criticizing strategy. Yeah. <laughs> you're, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that you're... It was I in mean, the early years. I've yeah. mellowed a bit. I don't know. I feel that. like you do it for... If you watch it for 23 years, I feel like... Unless you're a complete idiot, you've absorbed enough to be able to. You could probably coach the team. No, I know nothing. <laughs> I know absolutely nothing. Well, I freely admit. You know enough that, you know, speaking of frustration, we were talking about uh, my new obsession with out of the park baseball. Uh, Which 21. Awesome. <laughs> I've got a. Uh, there's a mode in the game called Perfect Team, which is kind of like fantasy baseball, except it's not based in reality at all. It's or it's on real stats. It's like you collect cards, or in my case, you pay a bunch of money trying to get ahead of everybody else and then it doesn't necessarily work it works for a little while and then it starts backfiring on you and all you can think about every time you see a loss is all the money you'd like to have back <laughs> but um but yeah you we were talking about the you know the, the, the strategy involved in the, in the normal game you actually literally play as a a gm and a manager of a uh, major league baseball franchise even a historical one but um you can play all the current ones and we were just saying, you know, it's, we're not really interested in going so far as to be a general manager. You have to manage the minor league system oh, yeah, and the yeah. budget and the trades and the, you know, that. But they're real guys. These are actual historical players, though. Oh, yeah. Or, or, or they're current players. Yeah. And I think in, nor in normal times, uh, they actually, I think their stats are updated uh, in real yes, in real time. Yes, they are, yeah. Um, but unfortunately now. <laughs> so what is going on with this baseball season? Now, I haven't really had a, a, the time to actually grasp what it's going to be. I don't, I, I'm still not sure it's going to be anything. I mean, they went back and forth. They spent a lot of time negotiating. The owners, I think a lot of them didn't want a season at all because they knew there'd be nobody in the ballparks. That's where they make their money. Yeah, and how do you play for an empty 
ballpark. I mean, that's like, I feel like the same thing with like, when they were going to do, remember lat in March, when they were going to do March Madness without anybody in the crowds? It was right. like basketball without crowd noises. I feel like it would almost be more distracting than the actual crowd noises. Yeah. So I I don't know. The, the players wanted to play a longer, like 90, 100 game season. Finally, the commissioner who is battling Roger Goodell as worst commissioner in all of pro sports. Rob Manfred just said, well, we're going to play 60 games and then go to the playoffs, and, and that's what we'll do. But of all the sports that are trying to get started, I feel like that one's going to be the toughest because they're traveling. They're still going all around the yeah. country, even though they're they're playing a sort of regional schedule. But the Red Sox would go to, to New York and Florida and Baltimore and I, I don't, I don't you know. You got to basically re quarantine every time you go to yeah, a new city. Just, I, I'll, I'll be surprised if they make it through. Yeah, I'd probably quit. Yeah. And <laughs> a lot, like, a lot you know of what? guys. I'm already rich enough. I don't need to deal with and this. And a fair number of guys have opted out. The big money guys can do that. Yeah. The, the borderline guys, like Brock Holt, who used to play for the Red Sox, has is, is basically said, I'm not sure this is a great idea, but I'm a yeah. fringe player. If I sit this out, it may be the end of my career. I may not be coming back. Well, I'll be honest. If they asked me to play, I probably would. Yeah. <laughs> Might be your chance. I'd, even, I'd let them pay me the baseline salary. Even right. I just I'll be like the I'll be like the bat boy in the natural. Uh, I'll just. I want to be, be like Moonlight Graham, except I want the one at bat. Yeah. You know, and then I said, oh, I don't feel good. I think I've got the COVIDs. I'm out. Yeah, that's all. That's all she wrote. I'm, I'm here for team morale. Yeah. Now I'm in the baseball it. encyclopedia. Thank you very much. And it's. Soon after that, Hall of Fame. Yes, no question. <laughs> Best at bat, single at bat. Yes, yeah. <laughs> lean into it and take one off the helmet. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you saw, uh, actually, this is like breaking news, like I think an hour ago. Um, apparently, somebody hacked into tw the Twitter accounts of Bill Gates, Elon Musk, Kanye West, and Joe Biden. Wow. Uh, with a thing saying, if you send uh Bitcoin to this wallet will double it for you. <laughs> and then, like, you hack Bill Gates' Twitter, like, that's, or Elon Musk even, like, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I had just seen that. We were on the air, so I didn't have a lot of time to read about it. But, yeah, it's it's bizarre. Um, Why not Donald Trump? I mean, if you go well, the rest of them, you might, yeah. although his is probably has, like, people watching it constantly because everybody wants it down. Well, only while he's on the toilet, right? Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> he's just constantly... <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it, it'll be interesting to see if there's more coming though. Those are the early ones, right? We'll see. Uh, Twitter may be shut down tonight as they try to root this stuff out. I'd love to hear that Kanye West fell for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think we're all kind of sad that he's given up his presidential bid. Oh, he did give it up. Yeah. I I, see, that's yeah. another thing that I'm like, you well, know I what? He was going I'm going to make pretend this isn't happening because I don't need more things to be upset about. Uh, so he gave it up. He's no longer. Yeah. yeah. Not that he was ever really in it since he never actually did any of the paperwork you have to do to be right. a real He's candidate. just like, I'm going to be president. It's like in the office when Michael declares bankruptcy. <laughs> I declare bankruptcy! Uh, you know, I worry. I, I, there's something wrong with the guy. Well, it is the West Wing, you know. Uh, oh. oh wow. So it was almost like one of those things where he's like, well, my name's already there, so I should be able to... Do, I should be allowed to do it without... Soon to be renamed the Kardashian Wing. <laughs> yeah, the, Kardash the Yeezy Kardashian Wing. Now... The show itself, I mean, I think I still, it's impressive because it's Bangor. I mean, the the, the caliber of guests that you've had on the show, um, you know, that most people would be like, how, how does he get these people, you know, having a show in, in, in Bangor, Maine? 
Uh, I think even in Portland, Maine, there would be, you know, that question. Some of the guests, you know, Brian Cranston, uh, Lewis Black, uh, Peter Bogdanovich, Jeff Daniels, Mike Barbegula, Kurt, uh, excuse me, Ken Burns, Henry Winkler. I mean, that's those are huge names. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, that's a long and boring story. But when we started the show, like nine years ago, we were in the planning stages. We went on in September of of 2011, and the initial plan was we want a sports show. And I said, I, I'm not interested. I don't want to do. The world doesn't need another sports talk show. Good God, enough of that out there. I said, but I'll. I'll talk about sports as entertainment in the larger picture if we can bring in some of these other th- And I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know who it would be, but I thought, well, if we'll try. We'll reach out. And we started kind of small with Boston guests and then a few entertainment guests. And I think the, the one of the first, what to me was a big guest because I was such a fan of the show, was Mike Farrell, B.J. Honeycutt from yeah, MASH. Yeah, yeah. And got him and, and pumped and he came on and he was great. And wanted to do it again, and that was right. that was the big thing. Is finding out early on that as a, a buddy of mine who did Boston radio for years said, "You can get anybody once. The challenge is, do they have a good enough experience that they want to come back?" And you know, Mike Farrell was just on for I think his I don't know ninth or tenth time, and yeah. and so now it's become. I, I'll admit it, it's kind of an obsession with me. A lot like yeah. your out of the park team. Yeah, that <laughs> hardly a night goes by when I don't shoot off. A handful of emails. I'll be watching a movie. I'll hear a song, and I'll say that'd be somebody interesting to yeah. talk to. And I don't, I don't, I don't know what the percentage is of throwing, throwing darts and how many hit, but not many say no. There are some you never hear back from, but a surprising number of them say yes. And I think what what we figured out along the way is in the internet age. It doesn't matter that you're doing a show in Bangor, Maine. That's true. They don't have to come here. They don't have to come here. Right. And if you put it up online and on social media, they can share it with their followers wherever they are. And that's, I think that's one of the big reasons why we've been able to, to get people we've had. And then I, I guess we do a good enough job and don't embarrass ourselves that most of them want to keep coming back. Yeah, and it's, it's such a uh, diverse range of guests. You know, I see you had a Syrian hip-hop artist, uh, Asasi. Yeah, who's a local guy, lives here in Bangor now, and is, is great. And Yeah, uh, we we try to do the local stuff and, yep. and try to cover a lot of different things, whether it's yeah, some sports, but it's it's arts and it's history and music and TV and movies and a ton of authors. We've talked to, I don't know how many hundreds of, of authors through the years, but literally anything that sounds remotely interesting. We had Joey Chestnut on a few years ago, the, the hot dog eating champion. Yeah. Which <laughs> that grosses me right. I can't even, I can't deal with people. Well, a eating contest to begin with. It's mm. like people are like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to be in this big pizza or wing? And I'm like, well, first off, no, because I don't want to second off. Like, why would I ever enter a contest that I wouldn't feel good about winning. Like, yeah. oh, what would you win? Well, I ate the most food. <laughs> so that's what well, I told did us to about win. the prep, and that was, that was the, pretty awful. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's brutal. Watching those guys eat those hot dip in the water, that makes me uh, want to just... And then talking about the after effect of you know, oh the next few days. I mean, that's yeah. so much food inside of <laughs> oh, you. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, and it's going to come and, out. <laughs> and, it's, and it's going in there, like, in a pretty intact form. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, absolutely vile. Yeah. Yeah, but, it, it, the, the cool thing a, about the that is, a problem with textures, a watery hot dog bun to me, 
Oh, I just can't even. The cool thing about that is that the guys who run the the quote unquote organization, whatever they call it, competitive eating, but they're from Bangor. Guys who used oh. to live in Bangor, the Shea brothers. Huh. And so we had that little connection, and, and that was. It hasn't been on again, but it was cool. It was I mean, weird well, that's, you don't really need to make that on again. Right. You kind of covered How it all. How many times I don't do you need to hear, hear anything more story. about his bowel movements? No. You know, that's pretty much it. No. Now, I, I wish I wish I could say that you were a big enough deal to get Bob De Niro, but apparently you weren't, <laughs> uh, if you want to tell us about what happened there. Well, that was one of those, just, well, what the hell? What have I got to lose? Yeah. So I shot off a, an email. And that's the great thing in the internet age is that you can usually track people down online through managers or a lot of people have websites, but so I, I found out who his manager was, emailed him, and literally heard back within the hour. Huh. And he said, uh, so uh, tell me more about your show. Who have you had on of Bob's caliber? <laughs> <laughs> and so I threw out some names, you know, the Brian Cranstons, yeah. the, the Julie Andrews of the world. And then, and then I said, well, let's be honest. Who the hell would be of Bob's caliber? There you go. <laughs> and his manager got back and said, Hey, I like your answer. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll run it by him. I don't make any promises. He's pretty busy. I'll at least run it by him. But that was like nine months ago. And I mean, but Bob has I, not called me. I think you're memorable enough to be eligible for a second try there. I will certainly. <laughs> that's, and a lot of times, that's what I'll do too is, is follow up months or sometimes years later. Michael McKean was a guy that I chased for uh, maybe three years. And, and, Never, never, never even get a response. But I kept trying, like every year I'd shoot. And then we had him on, was it last fall, right? Yeah, the 2000th show. That's right. He was on for our 2000th show. He yeah. was fantastic. He tweeted about it and what a good experience it was. And then then we had his wife on, Annette O'Toole, really? a couple months later. And I feel like he's one of those guys now that we'll probably get in the rotation that we have on once a year. I mean, he look, he has the most, you know, rich and varied career. I love Michael McKeon. Oh, you know, you look great. at a guy who can be, you know, in Spinal Tap, um, Better Call Saul, and Short Circuit 2. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> like, that's that's a pretty broad range of, of, right. uh, of characters to play, but he just seems uh, delightful. I love him in um, Best in Show. He, uh, he His claim to fame was inventing the Shampoo Chino. <laughs> uh, which that's in the deleted scenes. All the um... and we love the story. We we talked with him about his his brief time in the band Left Bank. Do you remember them? No, they were not highlighted in Spinal Tap. Those are all his old the old bands. Remember the song Walk Away Renee? No, late sixties, pretty big hit for them. They had a couple of hits: Walk Away Renee and Pretty Ballerina. And uh, Michael was a part of the band, but he joined after they released their two hits, and they never recorded another song. After he was in the band. So he got to at least do some of the touring and, get yeah. some, and at least get some action from it. And, we, you know, Cranston's great. He's another one that we have on once a year now. And, oh, geez, the last time he was on, he was backstage getting ready to do Network. He was in yeah. rehearsals for that, and he joined us from, from Broadway for that. And we had him a couple of visits ago, Carrie. That wasn't that the time we – and we didn't set it up. We just <laughs> did it live <laughs> in the interview. Brian, we, do you want to play a game? And he's like – Okay, what is <laughs> and we gave him characters that he played in one-off appearances in '80s TV shows, which are some of which, some of those are. 
Oh, Airwolf was Air the, Wolf. was oh, the was kicker. Airwolf one. Yeah. Nice. Uh, was it Murder She Wrote or Matlock? One of those. It was kind of the same. He yeah. he guessed both. Yeah. So I think he may but have he, been in both at one point. He was. Yeah, he remembered most of them, but also had a story about each one. Yeah. Which was and the one he didn't remember, he's like, well, I know, why didn't I remember that one? That was a terrible experience. Yeah. I right. hated that show. Yeah. And that's well, uh, that's the really cool part is is getting to know some of these people as as, as just people, and we've got uh, yeah, they're probably. 12 or 15 actors, musicians out there that we, we no longer have to deal with agents. We just go to them directly yep. and, and they, they pretty much come on anytime we ask. I mean, with Cranston, I mean, I, I think it'd even be kind of surreal for him now to talk about like Malcolm in the middle yeah, because you know, he's so the Walter white, you know, but he like told he, a great story about Malcolm in the middle that, that I love that he auditioned and the part was nothing. Yeah. And, and he thought, well, I want the part, but what can I do to maybe make the part a little better? And so as he read through, he looked at all the characteristics of the wife and he said, I want the husband to do the opposite of all that. And so he created this character when there really wasn't one there. And he said, you know, it's, it's not funny if the father doesn't like his family, right? But it is funny if he's distracted and disinterested (laughs) in them. And so he, Walked into the audition with that, and they went, yeah, wow, that's a different way of us thinking about the character, and it ended up becoming a much bigger part because of the way he approached it. That's talent right there. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's, not, just, that's not just dumb luck. Yeah. You know? Can't teach that. Well, you can, but it helps if you just have it. It does help, yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember another interview we did um, where I joined on was with Rudy Sarzo from Quiet Riot. Uh, <laughs> I assumed that Rudy Sarzo would want to just – Wax nostalgic about all this crazy shit from the 80s. But turns out he's just a really nice guy who has a lot of really interesting causes he does now or, or maintains, um, especially for rescue dogs. Um, and I, every time I would, it was, I was, I sort of quickly faded myself out of the conversation. I think like the first question I asked about something that happened in 1979, he was just kind of like, I mean, I don't remember. No, and he didn't, uh, and this happens a lot. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't want to dish any dirt on anybody. Well, no, he's very, he's super nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's just a good guy. <laughs> and then I referred to, I was like, how long was your stint with this band? He's like, well, no, I was actually in the band. I was like, you know, I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I'm, uh, I'm just, I'm going to listen. You guys are doing a good job. You know what I'd love to see you get is Bobcat Goldthwait. I have tried because I am at much as I love his stand-up comedy. I also love him as a filmmaker. He's done some great, great movies. And I, I've tried a couple of times and, and we, we've sort of been in his periphery with people he's friends with, but not yet, but I, I keep trying with him. Yeah. What are some of his films that. Oh shit. What's Mano... the film he did with Molly Shannon? Mano shakes the clown. And, and... he did this, um, well, he did, didn't he do one of the Robin Williams movies late in Robin Williams' career? I, I'm trying to remember the uh, the documentary he did um, about the uh, the comedian from Boston who we had on the show. Who we had on the show yeah. uh, about child abuse. Yeah, uh, which, was, which very was powerful. A, um, but he did I, this I'm great movie with right Molly now. Shannon. I don't know if yeah. you've seen it. Carrie will will check it. and find out the title of the movie. But Molly Shannon plays this uh, a woman looking for love and and and. Uh, she ends up revealing to this guy she's in a relationship with. She reveals that she may have had sex with her dog at some point. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love how that's so perfectly dark. Yeah. Like, and it, and you know? obviously the relationship turns, but it becomes this really, it's funny as hell, but it also becomes this really poignant examination of how much truth do you tell in a relationship? And at what point wow. in a relationship yeah. <laughs> do you reveal your deepest, darkest secrets? No, they, they save that for, uh, was it um, step five? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Step five is that. when you're supposedly supposed to give your deepest darkest. Then you lock those away. Did you find the title of that movie, Carrie? The only thing that came up with him and Molly Shannon was a Superstar. Hmm. I didn't know if he was in Superstar. Maybe he was in it, but this was one. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure he directed it. And again, I may not know anything. I'm gonna. I'm gonna look. Yeah. I think. I think that we all deserve to know. The Robin Williams film, though, was uh, was uh, World's Greatest Dad. Yeah, which was very dark. Really? Uh, where uh, uh, he plays a dad who, uh, I believe if I remember the story right, uh, fakes, uh, fakes a fatal illness for his son or his son dies and he exploits that. And huh. it, was, it was pretty, pretty dark shit. The uh, the uh, documentary we were trying to think of was uh, with Barry uh, or about Barry, Barry Crimmins, Crimmins called yeah. uh, the movie was Call Me Lucky. Yes, uh, yep. just an incredible movie and story. Crimmins' story is pretty incredible, but uh, uh, Goldway did a just great job telling the story uh, in in that film. But yeah, he's he's definitely somebody I'd love to to get on. And you know, stand up guys who've done stand up or. It's interesting, the best, you know this, the best conversations with stand-up guys is when they don't try to do their act. Oh, that's why it's hard to have a lot of friends who do stand-up. Because oh, Sleeping Dogs was, Lie, that's the name of and the that movie. It was, and it was him with Molly Shannon? Yep, yeah. yep. I think, um, yeah, one of the things I noticed about when I used to do a lot of stand-up comedy is there are that like handful of people, and you know sometimes they tell you, sometimes they don't, but they're like, oh, check this out, here's my bit. And you're like, I, what am I supposed to do? Like, I don't know. And then, you know, of course, if you say anything critical of it and they get really, because they're sensitive anyway. So right. it's like a loaded question that you pretty much have to answer, you know. But yeah, when somebody like tries bits out on you, that's that's very But that's why, you know, we've loved having you on since the first time you came on. And, and Ryan Waning, too. Our, yeah, and well, Ray Harrington. My, my relationship with Ryan started when he was plugging a comedy show. But he came on and just, he talked sports, he talked this and that, and he was funny as hell. But it wasn't it wasn't him doing his his thing, and then Ray raised the same way. Lewis Black, another one. Um, yeah, Lewis Black, who has actually managed to take that character very far oh for God, a long time. Yeah, I, mean, he, yeah. I mean, it is him. I mean, I'm, I don't know if he's any more mild mannered uh, in normal conversation. A little is. bit, but but yeah. you know, he walks that line. But Gilbert Gottfried is the one that yeah, comes so to mind. Gilbert Gottfried on the show. when he was on. We didn't know because we worried. He's got the reputation of well, he has the reputation of not wanting to break character. Yeah, so many people that were in the Adventures of Ford Fairlane have been on your show. (laughs) (laughs) But Gilbert was great, and and Mm. he was he was the Gilbert character for a while. But then when we started talking about the documentary, did he really let down the guard and the voice changed, and he just became the guy? Yeah, I, I think that's important now to be able to do. You know. It's like you feel bad for those guys from like who are in like White Lion who are like, if I cut my hair, that's the last thing I have that people recognize me. Like, if I cut my hair, literally, I'll never be recognized again for anything. Uh, <laughs> have we ever had anybody from White Lion? No, I don't think. I don't even. Have. I couldn't no. even name a no. band. I do like their cover of Radar Love. I will say that. Uh, I think it's an awesome cover, actually. Uh, I actually like it better than the original 
to be perfect. Better than the Golden Earring. Better version? than the Golden. Yeah, I, I think that they, you should. I don't know if you've heard it. Check it out. Like, I don't know if you've probably heard it, heard it recently, but it's like really kick ass in the same way that like Faith the Moors cover of War Pigs is, where it's like you know harder, faster drums. You know, it just gets that. You know, and it, it works. I mean, I'm not. I can't say there was much else. I think there was what When Children Cry. I think there's you know the oh. White Lion song that I know, but. That's a bit interesting, too, when we, we get music guests on the show because Carrie and I have different tastes in music, and I my, my tastes are pretty they're pretty pedestrian, old old white guy tastes largely. But you know we've had heavy metal people, country people, folk people, rockers, pop stars, 60s people, classical musicians, opera singers, and and, and I find that really cool because I, I got to do a little bit of research to learn about those people and their music. And I think it's expanded my interest a little bit. Yeah, and actually, in, uh, of which you said, one of the most difficult people you've ever interviewed was Brian Wilson. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that was, that was sad. Um, and I knew going in it was going to be hard. And I reached out to a couple people who had interviewed him before, including a guy who was his biographer, David Leaf. Yeah. Who's you know, Emmy Emmy Grammy Award winning guy, and he you know, he said, um, "Don't ask about the dark stuff." I what he goes. Brian doesn't like to talk about the dark stuff. What's the dark? Which stuff? I assume meant you know drugs, the death of okay. his brothers. So I I steered clear of that, and and he said, "Well, I thought it was the best advice, but it didn't help me." He said, "Don't ask yes or no questions." <laughs> Like okay, armed with this information, God, he's like a gremlin. He has all these instructions. Well, I was ready. I thought I was ready. Part of this too, but and David Leaf had said this. You know, he's also deaf in one ear, and so it's tough on the phone. In person, it's a little different because he can see your face. Does he hold it up to the deaf ear? I don't know. I don't know. But you know, because so that would be counterproductive. I so we're like... doing it over the phone, and it was a day where he'd done about half a dozen of these, and. Huh. And I and I thought, oh, okay, well, I'm getting short answers. Thank God I had prepared about 35 questions for a 10-minute interview. But I'm flying through them because I'm getting, yeah, yeah, good album. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah. But I think, okay, I got him now. And ask about the hmm. personal life. And so I say, Brian, what, uh, what was it about walking into that car dealership 20-some years ago? You were looking to buy a new Cadillac, and, and you met, you met Melinda, who's been your wife now for all these years. I think now he's oh, got to yeah. open up. Now, he's, yeah. And he goes, you're a pretty lady. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and it was sad because did you ever hear, I think it was a friend of our show, Rob Bartlett, who used to do a Brian Wilson character on the Imus in the Morning Show. Ah, uh, yeah. And it was, it was a pretty... <clears throat> pretty mean-spirited caricature of Brian. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Everything was like, I'm Brian, how you doing? I'm fine, thank you very much. <laughs> it was kind of accurate. <laughs> yeah, you found out. That's an issue. He's a pretty... Like, but I, uh, but he was really nice, and yeah. when we get off the phone, he was nice. And he has to appreciate just, questions like that, regardless of if he, he feels was like answering. And then, you know, we had Mike Love on, the other co-founder of the Beach Boys, who has the reputation of being a dick. But he couldn't have been nicer. Yeah, no, they, they they were both very nice. I mean, I just don't think Brian likes doing interviews. No, I, I don't, think he's I don't, uncomfortable with them. And he, 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 he doesn't that's like... the way a lot of musical geniuses or yeah, geniuses in general are. Yeah. All I can picture is like the guy in a, 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 um, a Christian Bale's character in The Big Short. Yes, yeah. You know, 
Yeah. Like they're yeah. not as socially, you know. Well, and it's like who is the comfortable, um, but there's just that like you know what? that tension of that genius. Who's the actor who was on um, uh, Fresh Air with Terry Gross and and doesn't like watching himself? Is it oh, Adam Driver? Uh, Adam right? Driver. Yeah, I, mean, I can certainly understand not liking to you watch yourself unless I was Adam Driver, which. As John Oliver always talks about how he wants to fuck Adam Driver on uh, last week's night. That's like his one thing. He's always like, Adam Driver. Like, unless it's Adam Driver, you big, burly beast. Like, it's, it's, it's like he can't get off it, which is amazing. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't like listening to his own voice. And I guess Terry Gross knew this and played a clip and he left the studio. And huh. I thought, well, yeah, you know, be. That's part of That's this just me. too. Is be respectful right. of people and and know know what areas are are out of bounds. No, most people are really good about talking about anything. But we had KC Harry Wayne Casey, KC and the Sunshine Band. Yeah, he's actually been on twice with us. And the first time is people said, just don't ask him about anybody he's ever collaborated with. <laughs> and I said, why? <laughs> a lot of lawsuits. <laughs> like, okay. Well, you know, that's so, good because you're going to get a. You talk a, about all your music, yeah. Harry, but none yeah. of the people you ever worked with. We those, will get any uncomfortable silences. It yeah. was me, man. I did it all. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, I mean. He also did the greatest liner because we, if we're recording an interview, we always ask celebrities to do little liners for the show. And so we, we still have this kicking around somewhere. Well, we don't have the, the best version, but he goes, hey, it's. Uh, it's uh, Harry Wayne Casey, KC of the Sunshine Band, and you're listening to Downtown with Rich Little. <laughs> How was that, man? I go, hey, it was great, except you uh, you called me Rich Little. I'll do it again. Hey, it's uh, Harry Wayne Casey, KC of the Sunshine Band. You're listening to Rich Little. Fuck, I did it again. <laughs> A flaky, crispy, crack yeah. across. And then he does the, the one we kept, which is, hey, it's uh, KC of the Sunshine Band, and you're not listening to Rich Little. You're listening to Rich Kimball. That's, that's <laughs> perfect. There's our keeper. It all worked out better. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. One of our favorites. The maybe, I think a favorite one of those we've had, and one of our favorite conversations for for both of us, Gary, was yeah. having Carl Reiner on the show. Yes. God, yeah. that was just that. You know, I I don't get nervous much, but I was nervous for that. Yeah. And, and he, he, God, he was amazing. He was he was great on the show. He was great just talking on the phone leading up to the interview. Um, that, for me, that's one of the weird things is is getting these people on the phone before Rich starts doing the interview uh, and hearing the voice come back at you. Carl yeah. Reiner was one of them. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Mike Farrell, the first time I had to talk to him, you know, BJ's voice coming back at Julie Andrews, yeah. it, you know, it's it's a very surreal moment the yeah. first time that like, they yeah, they pick up the phone, phone yeah. and they're answering the phone and you go, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I recognize that voice, all right. <laughs> and I, I kick myself because a lot of times we get their their home phone numbers, their personal numbers, and and so I have Carl Reiner's number. <laughs> and for years we tried Don't butt dial him. Well, we've tried to get Mel Brooks oh, forever yeah. and ever and haven't yeah. been able to get him, but. Mel would go to dinner at Carl Reiner's house almost every night. And for years I said, you know, some night I'm just coming in here to the studio, hitting record, call Carl Reiner's house and ask for Mel. Mel, all they can say is no. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. I mean, that's, I think uh, it's great when uh, Martin Short talks about interviewing Mel Brooks uh, as Jiminy Glick. And he actually, he's like, that was one of the best moments of my life was when I actually got a big laugh out of him. Oh, yeah. Because he was like, he asked him, what's your big beef with the Nazis? 
<laughs> like, which is amazing, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, to get Mel Brooks, I mean, that's, or to hear, or to call Mel Brooks and have that voice. Yes. Yeah. That, you know? That's, that's probably then, our you know, white whale of, right some now. Some of the offbeat people that, that, you know, we just happen to have a, a personal love for, Dr. Demento, I know, was huge for you. That was a big one for me because yeah. I spent most of my teen years recording Dr. Demento on cassette and, uh, and, doing essentially mixtapes of Dr. Demento's songs. And that was where Weird Al Yankovic got to start, right? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, 19, I think his first live appearance was uh, 1980. He had a post uh, the other day of, of uh, photos of his very first live appearance. But yeah, he he was doing recording stuff, and uh, uh, Dr. Demento was you know playing these bathroom-recorded songs yeah. from, from uh, Weird Al, and... You know that that career has just been massive. Yeah, and it keeps going. Yeah, and Alice so, Cooper. That when they said, "Yeah, look, oh yeah, Al, Al, you can talk to Alice. Do you mind doing it at midnight?" <laughs> I don't. Why? I mean, like he's in Hawaii. Okay, all right. So came in here at midnight, and and Alice was awesome. Yeah, I, I, I see him just being extremely. Just, well, I, we know he's just very well spoken and friendly, yeah, intelligent. But I think you know, we usually a lot of times with these things, it's an agent or somebody like that. So, yeah. and they're going to call us. So the phone rings in the studio. I'm like uh, WZON, and his agent's going to be um, a guy that the movie Supermensch. Yes, what's his name? Ah, that's we talked about him. Yeah. Because they've, they've been together for 40 years without a contract. Exactly. And yeah. he's like one of the only people that he still manages. But it's Alice. Alice on the... And he's like, hey, is this Rich? It's uh, it's Alice Cooper. Uh, oh, yes, I <laughs> I know that. But we ended up talking for about a half hour. I think the interview's through. And and he goes, uh, Chef Gordon. Thank you. Chef sir. Gordon. Thank yes, you. Yeah. And he goes, uh, hey, so let's, can we talk about Stephen King? I love Stephen King. And what's what's your favorite Stephen King? And we do another 15 minutes talking about Stephen King stuff. Uh, that's... It'd be a, he was awesome like that. Yeah, that's say hi to Stephen. Like, yeah, you got a better chance to see him right? than me. Yeah. Let me just shoot him a text right now. Alice Cooper says, "Hey, like, people, people." It's funny too because I, I'm not ashamed of using that connection to try and get people on the show. No, of course not. Yeah, and a number of guests have been like, "Hey, uh, say hi to Steve." And is he listening to the show? I'm like, I don't even know if he knows we have a show. He only listens to the show. He has it pretty He's, much. He he tapes them all. Uh, He's been on the show them. once. Oh yeah, okay. and I didn't interview him because I, I was during he was doing a oh it was when he was doing his uh, his play with John Mellencamp. Oh okay, yeah. Up at the University of Maine, and and they said, hey, Stephen and and, and John Mellencamp are going to be at the university if you want to come talk to him. Like I'm uh, I'm teaching school now, doing my day job. Yeah. And I knew Danny Cashman had wanted to talk to him for years. So right. Sent Danny up, and he did the interview. And it went well. Yeah. Yeah. It went great. Yeah, that's well. That's good. I'm glad you he at least made an appearance. Uh, I have yet to meet him. I'm, I'm sure well, he enjoys my segment. In the early days of the station, we used to see him a lot more. We used to do back when this was the Sports Zone at WZON. We used to do hot stove sessions talking mm-hmm. baseball out at the Bangor Mall, where, where Stephen and and Dale Duff and I would just sit around and talk baseball with fans. Yeah. Oh, I guess yeah. it's also worth mentioning that. Stephen King owns this radio station. If yeah. you don't, yeah. if you don't already yeah. know that, he's not just not just randomly bringing him up. Yeah, he he and his wife uh, bought it in what ninety three. Yes, or, yeah. or and they own three or, other radio stations, right? Uh, two, uh, two, two. WKIT yeah. and WZLO. Yep, right here in the same building. Nice. And then back when we used to do high school basketball games in the early days of the station, 
Stephen would come down and keep score. He'd have a scorebook and <laughs> sit there and watch the games. And, well, that was always going to be my Letterman, uh, you know, uh, brushes with greatness story. Yeah. You know, you remember that bit on Letterman? I never really watched Letterman. Oh, okay. um, it was like just enough out of my time, you know. Okay. So, so one of the bits he did with the audience interaction was brushes with greatness. And, yep. and somebody would tell a story about meeting a famous person and then they would go on. That That was the bit. Mine was always going to be... Well, I was at a high school basketball game, and at the game, St- Stephen King was there, and he he bought me a hot dog, which is all true. And then the yeah. exaggeration would be, made out of human flesh. Yeah. <laughs> I was prepped for my... Unfortunately, the one yeah. time I got to see Letterman record, he didn't do brushes oh. with greatness, so I didn't get to well, do lost. my bit. Well, Carrie, there's always Jerry Springer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can... You know, speaking of people who like to get a... See, that's what gets a rise out of their guests. If yes. you're Jerry Springer, oh, yeah. you're, you're, that's what you're trying to do. So if Adam Driver went on Jerry Springer, right? you know... He'd be an easy target. And we lock the door. He can't get out of it. Make him watch all of <laughs> and his then movies. Somebody throws a chair at him. And yeah. that'd be, I would throw a chair at him just for oh, fun. Yeah. Um, is Jerry Springer still around? He's he's doing a Judge Judy type right, show like now. Judge, Judge Jerry. Jerry. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Well, he you is know, the former mayor of Cincinnati, right? Yeah. Well, there you go, Cincinnati. There you go. <laughs> oh, well, that's... Yeah, Trump had nice things to say about Cincinnati, didn't he? Not the one he called Radenfest, or was that Baltimore? Oh, that was Baltimore. Oh, that was Baltimore. Any yeah. place that didn't vote for him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Radenfested. <laughs> worse than Mar-a-Lago. What? Yeah. Did I say that? Yeah. He, um, I don't know. It, 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 we live in times now where it's just almost, it's not even worth it talking about him and, you know. Oh. I mean, anybody, I think, it's the two things that sum it up for me, I think, that sort of put the the nails in the, I mean, the nails were in the coffin a long time ago, but the A insistence that testing creates cases of of the virus, Uh, just the the kindergarten, um, you know, reasoning there. Right. And Kellyanne Conway with her, this is not, this is the 19th COVID. This isn't COVID-1. <laughs> We've had 18 yeah. of these prior, you know, those are the two things I'm like, okay, how is anybody, like, uh, how are you that stupid? And you know, understand. that's, that's become kind of a, a, I guess, an issue for us. We're not a political show. A point of contention. But, but how point, do you, you have not? To, yeah, you have to how be involved in politics and, now. Yeah. I think. As, as far as I know, I've only lost one sponsor who was explicit in saying, he says bad things about the president. That's good. Then, yeah, good. Don't Bye-bye. let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. But, no. but I've had a couple who were not sponsors who sort of mentioned in passing something like, uh, you know, boy, if uh, people find out about what you're saying, like, hey, I don't care. <laughs> I'm putting on a radio station. It's right, a radio you know, show. Uh, this, is, this is, again, this is my... I, I, try to make a little money from it but it's it's my hobby it's not my job um and and b do you know who owns the station do you think stephen king is going to be offended by anything i've said about donald trump no have you seen his twitter feed (laughs) exactly yeah it's it's uh, i I look back i look forward to but this is not just radio this is in life and i don't know who said i think it was was it the governor of montana who said this and i thought it was the best thing anybody said he said, you know, if I'm president, you might go an entire week without thinking about me. That's what I no, want. That brings me to my next point, which is before Donald Trump, I was always, I mean, I've always been aware of who's the president, but I certainly never knew the names of this many senators, 
this right. thing, you know, but the thing is, and I always used to say, I'm like, you know, I get stressed out enough trying to figure out, you know, what I want to eat tonight, you know, how, what I'm going to cook and what I want to drink that if I got into politics, I'd be stressed out all the time. And sure enough, I got into politics. I had to, and that's the case. Like literally it can, it can take me like into the red, like and on the drop I'm, I'm a political junkie, but fucking guys exhausted me. Yeah. You know, I just, and I, I got to think that there's, there's even among supporters or people who voted last time, there's got to be some hardcore Trump fatigue from people who are like, I just want to go back to regular times when I thought about <laughs> other stuff. And, and my first thought each day was, what did he do last night? Right. Well, that's why I love about the Daily Show. Whenever they run like the this year and like Obama, this day in Obama scandal, like the tan suit. Right, right. You know, like back when that he was like used, this He year. used brown mustard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear God. Unbelievable. I think... Um, to break up that topic, uh, I want to bring something up. Not, not really for any reason. I think we were talking about um, just kind of absurdity earlier. But uh, I've recently become obsessed with these montages of people getting hit, tagged in the balls. Um, <laughs> Aussie Man does an amazing one. But there's this one that, like, I literally, I think I've watched it maybe 110, 120 times. Um, I don't know if you've seen this circulating. Uh, we're gonna watch it and we're gonna play the audio for you. Um, it's basically this this cricket player. And I think it helps if, if whoever's talking about the people getting hit in the balls is speaking in a New Zealand or Australian accent. It does add a certain it, dignity it, to it. It adds what just is just the way it needs to be. Um, but yeah, it's a cricket player, and apparently he is he's just having the game of his life where I mean this is the videos of him getting tagged in the balls by a pitch for the third time in the same game. And his just initial expression is what gets me every time. <laughs> <laughs> that unfortunately is the third time this evening. It's the close-up on the groin oh, that I especially appreciate. He might not get up from this. He might not get up. Yeah, when your partner's looking quite concerned. Yeah, I think he's in a bit of strife. <laughs> he's in a bit of strife. He's in a bit of strife. Oh, how many different angles can they yeah, yeah, the, the newscasters in the end get me. Dear. They can't keep it Dear me. Dear me. Oh. Well, let's hope he's okay. It should, it's not that funny. It's not that funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the. Hey, bold and giggly. Oh. oh, no! <laughs> I might, that's my favorite of those. He's in a bit of strife. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I love he's doing that stretch. That, like, but I like uh, the female. Um, Newscast, uh, sportscaster is trying so hard. Oh, yeah. And she's finally, she's just like, I can't, I can't. Because she can't relate, let's be honest. Come well, on. yeah. And it's more just looking at him straight up and what he's doing. <laughs> um, the face he's making when his partner approaches him, be like, mm. oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> he know what's going on. You may cry. I mean, trust me, look. It's like the old routine. You know it hurts. Just, you, you can't mention him now because now he's disgraced rapist comic Bill Cosby, but one of his early routines about playing college football and they're going to be on television. And they say to the players before the game, listen, if you get hit in certain areas of the body, grab your helmet. Ah. Because we, you know, you can't be grabbing other places on live TV. And sure enough, he gets like first play, boom, gets right in the balls and he grabs his helmet and runs off the Oh, did you hurt your head? No! Go no, no, no. to certain areas of the body. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things that's like, I am, you know, I've always liked Kevin Smith movies. I've never been a big fan of, like, dick and fart jokes. 
Uh, it's just not the kind of humor that I generally get into. But for some reason, that 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 clip and like things like that, I just uh, you know. Well, I mean, ABC's made uh, how many millions of dollars from America's Funniest Home Videos, which I, I, I well, don't yeah. watch, but when yeah. I have seen it, it's like ninety percent people getting hit in the balls. Yeah. There's something just inherently funny. It's universal. That was Dave it's Coulier, the, right? Who hosted that? Uh, yeah, yeah, at one point, yeah. The, the guy, Alphonse uh, from uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I'm forgetting his last name. I don't know. Tom Bergeron hosted really? it at one point. That must point. have been a highlight. Tom, Tom Bergeron, who got canned from Dancing with yeah. the Stars. They, they've, really? They've, yeah. They've with, along with Spicer? Yeah, Tom Bergeron, by the way, I believe, former WMTW anchorman. Really? Yes. You know, I Early still, in his career. I, I still enjoy him in, uh, in Major League. By the way, because he's been on your show and you've been on his many times, is there anybody better in, in, in this little crazy broadcast business than Rob Caldwell? No, Rob Caldwell is delightful. He is the rock. Yeah, he's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, Pat I, Callahan's pretty high on my list, too. And I don't really know Pat Callahan as well, but Rob, anytime he's basically suggests... So I want to do. I'm always, always in. Yeah. You know, always happy to. And I was thrilled when he decided when he, you know, made the trip up the Yarmouth to my yeah. humble little studio to uh, <laughs> record that episode. That was really, uh, that was really fun. Yeah, I love, I love Rob Caldwell, um, and I'm, I'm always happy to go on on 207. That's been really cool. Yeah, uh, it's funny, even though, <laughs> even though uh, I talk about it on his episode, um, my mother's sister, my aunt, I guess. Um, at one point, she's just always had this thing where I think she's just jealous. I don't know. There's just, you know, there's friction where, you know, I think she would prefer the news be about her son than, you know, than my mother's, you know. Sure. But she came up and she's like, you know, I've seen you on 207 a bunch. She's like, I just figured that when they don't have anything else or anybody else to call, they call you, right? And I was like. She said that? She said that. And I was like, I like a, was that like a wake? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that must be it. I don't know. Uh, I, t- I told that story actually in the Rob Caldwell wow. episode. I was like, you know, there are people out there. You know, one person, I think. Wow. <laughs> Do you like, miss doing stand-up? Do I miss it? Yeah. Um, That's a good question. Every now and then I get like delusions of grandeur and I, I start planning to get back into stand-up. But then a lot of times the reality sets in. It's just, it, well, A, it's not the same anymore. Um, Back when I did it, Portland had a really great comedy scene with the Comedy Connection. Right. It was a really cool group of people all doing it. Um, And there was like, I think there was even kind of like two rival groups of comics, uh, which was actually kind of fun. Um, And so I just enjoyed the the, the whole scene. And then you kind of get to the point where it's just like, okay, you need to stop dividing, you know, spreading yourself thin. You got to just focus on something. Like comedy is something that you really need to, if you're going to do it well, you have to focus. You have to really go 110% on it to be a truly great comic and not just a hack job who can like, you know, pull off the same set for 10 years, which a lot of people are. I I never could be that person. I would always literally, every single set, I would do new material, which Whoa. most people would consider that suicide. <laughs> and a lot of times it was because I would just get bored of my own stuff. You know, I'm like, I don't feel like telling that anymore. I feel like, you know, I'd have some, I'd be hammered or something. And I'd say something funny and I'd be like, oh, I'm using that in my set tonight. You know, because I'd be hammered for my set. And, uh, you know, it was just, I lived definitely, I, I definitely had like a, like a, if I had to put like a, a gold set together, I could at one point, I could put together like a solid 15 minutes. Um, but more often than not, it was just it's one of those things that literally when, when stand-up goes well, it's the best feeling in the world when you just destroy on stage. Uh, and it's literally the worst feeling in the world when you die 
on stage and you're just <laughs> up there and the sweat starts yeah. and the heart quickens and you start and you're just like, I gotta get, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> you know, you're like, and you're trying, you're like, you know, already that because they didn't like the last three things that they're all going to hate the next four things even more. Cause like, oh, if you thought that was dirty, Mm, where I'm gonna go now? <laughs> See, and I've done improv for years. But, yes, you have. But I got I peeps with me. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's there's somebody... numbers. Like, I feel like I would love to do. You know, I'd love to be a part of like you know, Kids in the Hall or you know, yeah, the State or like one of those kind of shows. I feel like even SNL. SNL is like a little more pressure because you gotta. It's a high profile job, and if you don't pull your weight, you're you know, <laughs> you better be prepared for right. what's gonna happen. Yep. Although uh, SNL lately, there's been some gold, man. They've been like, I kind of, it was funny. They, after, you know, the cast that I identify with because I'm 41 is the, you know, Mike Myers, Dana Carvey, Adam Sandler, Rob Schneider, Chris Farley, um, Tim Hanlon, uh, Phil Hartman, Victoria Jackson, um, Dennis Miller. Like that was the David Spade. Like that was the cast that kind of I grew up with, I think. And so after that, it seemed like there was this long period where outside of like maybe Will Ferrell, there wasn't, it was, most people seemed to not, they seemed to kind of become very unpopular, SNL did, I thought. But you know, it's funny, I think for every generation, you, you got the people that you, you love, I'm, yeah. I'm older, so I, you know, the original cast, the not ready for primetime players, and then the second line with Murray coming in. Murray and some came of those in, people. yeah, yeah. But, the first line was about Belushi and Chevy. And, yeah, and, and, Gilda and, uh, Radner and yeah. Larry Newman, Jane Curtin. But when you look back at some of those shows now, they weren't perfect either. They had some really bad oh, and, you know, and 12, like, 30 to 1 o'clock sketches yeah. that absolutely didn't work. It's never been yeah. perfect, but it's always been, I think, the best thing out there because it's, it is live because they're creating it often right up until yeah. they go on the air. And I think that now, I think it almost crept up. See, I think a lot of people kind of, maybe it's just me, or I stopped watching it because I kind of stopped watching TV. Like, mm. I don't watch television. Like, I watch things on YouTube. I watch them on Netflix. I watch them on Amazon Prime. Like, I don't ever put the TV on because I don't really watch sports. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like sports, but I just don't really watch them enough to justify having cable. I get all my news on New York Times Online. You know, it's like I don't, you know. Well, it's funny you mention that because I feel like SNL kind of changed around the time of Lonely Island. Yeah. Breaking out Adam, with the Andy videos. Sandberg, yeah. And, and I think they realized in this day and age, not as many people are watching in real time. Right. But they'll watch bits. They'll watch funny yeah, they sketches. Will. And they'll watch them like a hundred thousand times. Yeah. And so I think yeah. they've they've gone more that route in the last yep. decade or so that hey, everyone doesn't have to be gold. Right. But if every show we've got a couple of things that are gonna go viral, then yeah. the show remains important and vital. And, and I'd say it's probably been like, you know, fifteen years since I've seen the intro sequence, which was always the thing. The yeah, Saturday Night yeah. Live, and it's everybody has their own little thing of turning around and uh, smiling, and so you like see the whole cast. But I haven't seen that for so long because I just see snippets that you all of a sudden. I, I realized the other day, I'm like, they have an absolutely insane, ca- like their cast is hilarious right now. They yeah. have like some talent that is just like yeah. unbelievable, and I don't even know any of their names. Well, I, I'm a big <laughs> fan of Cecily Strong. I think she is just she's brilliant. Can play any character. It's funny as hell. And they just stayed with them um, for, for longer than you would think they yeah. would in this day and age. Well, and this one guy, I, I, I literally, it's funny, I, I don't know his name. If you look his name up, he does, um, you know, they do those audition videos. Like, yeah. have you seen the Back to the Future one? Yes. Or the guy, the guy who does Bobcat Goldthwaite. And now he's like, I'm here to interview Frosty's Snowman. He's like, the character is Iceman. Iceman? 
<laughs> yeah, that and Alec Baldwin's Pacino, which I think actually is better than Bill Hader's Pacino. Um, yeah. Bill Hader, though, is Alan Alda. That's brilliant. <laughs> it's so good. just so good. A wonderful yeah. thing. But what's the comedian's name? Um, uh, this guy is like one of my favorites. He's also shows up in a lot of like the documentary now, uh, which is another not uh, Fred Armisen. No, no, of course not. I know. I, I do know Fred Armisen, right. um, who's one of my favorites as well. Who we were supposed to have on the show a couple years ago when he was coming to Portland. Yeah, he was doing the music thing, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And then we're all set. And then like three days before, oh, Fred's uh, Fred's not feeling well. He's not doing any press. Okay. Well, you know, the guy, the guy, he, he he's earned it. He we could afford him. The, yeah. yeah, exactly. He's he's just absolutely uh, a, a comic genius in my mind. And he can do, I mean, in his music, like, you know, that. that yeah. I actually listened to in my car, like the soundtrack from the Blue Jean Committee episode of Documentary Now. Like Catalina Breeze and yeah. whatnot. It's, it's good music. Oh, Taryn Killam. Well, Taryn Killam, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who I believe is either on Broadway now or was just on Broadway. And that's the the episode he's in is the brother do the Broadway show. Yeah. Um He's great. He's amazing. And he's like, you know, he, he kinda he's like sneaks in. You're like You know the guy I uh, love. You ever see um Andy Daly, the show he did, a review? No. I think that was what it was called, where he plays this yeah. reviewer, but he reviews life experiences. I've seen him. Uh, and he decides that he decides that he's to actually review these things properly. He has to experience them, including divorce. And then a really brilliant episode on glory holes. <laughs> <laughs> As the recipient or the... Uh, uh, you got to watch. Well, that's good to know, because yeah. I do have a hotel room tonight. Well, so, there you yeah. go. Well... Um, it's funny. Here's a really random thought. The other day, you know, you're kind of uh, sitting around and things just pop into your head. I was thinking about like I had watched this um, uh, documentary on. I think it's one of the things that popped up on YouTube about. Remember that big censorship trial with like Dee Snyder and Frank Zappa, oh, yeah. and John Denver, and it yeah, was like it was a whole the parents' music resource it was group, Tipper Gore. Tipper Gore, yeah, yeah and it was yeah. amazing. They talked about and Dee Snyder was like when Al Gore's talking about how that one song is all about S&M and bondage. And Dee Snyder was like, actually, no, it's about our guitarist who went through this surgery to get this thing. And he was just basically like, your wife's the one that went there. <laughs> like, and he was like, just the raw ra like rage yeah. in Al Gore, you know, in his, in his eyes. But I thought that was a really interesting, you know, trial, but it reminded me of the whole censorship thing because, you know, once they started putting that sticker on the albums, it became like something that was a little more sought after. Right. You know, like you wanted, if you didn't have that sticker, you didn't have any street cred, but my mother is a bit on the naive side. Um, she's just very nice. She has a selective memory. Uh, and I was really into Guns N' Roses. And this is before they started confiscating Aptite and Gene R. Lies for me. On a regular basis, I would just repurchase them. Uh, because I was just like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. You can take it. Whatever. I was, like, I was like, you know, Avon Barksdale. I'm like, yeah, I got more of that. I got 10 more of those where that came from. But she had bought me this, uh, this Guns N' Roses book for Christmas. Um, cause she's like, oh, he loves Guns N' Roses. And it was like this sort of like, uh, I don't know. It was probably put out, put out by like hit parader or something. And I remember she was like, she was looking at it and I was like, oh God, here we go. And she's like, what's this thing where they say that we were so wasted when the award, you know, when we heard it, I go, oh, and that's, you know, that's them just saying they were really excited 
they were just really excited. And then, then like a few pages later, she gets to this line that Slash being like, yeah, and then sometimes they wake up with this fucking weird shit on my dick. And I was like, well, there goes, oh, you got me. That's I, like uh, <laughs> 14, 15 or so. And I'm, uh, I'm at my grandparents' house and I'm listening to George Carlin's album ah. that had the seven dirty words, yeah. seven words you can't say on TV, yeah. which I still remember in order, shit, piss, cunt, fuck, cocksucker, motherfucker, tits. Yeah. My grandmother pokes her head in the room and she goes, what are you listening to? And I said, your birthday present. Because <laughs> she got me the album. No idea what it was. Oh, he's a comedian. Ah, yeah. Got me the album. Thank you so much, Nana. I appreciate it. You Want to listen to some with me? <laughs> God bless them. You know, they they, they mean well yes. or yeah. not. I don't know. <laughs> I like just randomly thought of that book the other day. I was like. I wish I, I actually looked it up to see if I could find it like on on like eBay or Amazon. You'd overpay for that now. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Axl Rose. Um, I love all these things about how like like Guns N' Roses and all these bands getting like the the loans, like the government loans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. PPP loans. Yeah, for Guns N' Roses for their payroll. Well, you know why not? If Tom Brady can get it for Tom Brady for his it, company, huh? yeah, mm-hmm. and the Kushners and Mitch McConnell's wife. And- Everybody you know, else in it's the so good. Oh, oh, and don't forget, 1.5 billion dead people or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, 1.5 yeah. billion went to dead people. Yeah. Uh, so don't forget yeah. about them. They were they're happily enjoying their America first, even if they're dead. That's that's right. We honor our dead here. Yes. We give them. This is here's a stimulus check. You don't want it? Just let it. <laughs> just don't do anything with it. It's fine. Um. So yeah, your other your your day job is a uh, social studies teacher. Yes, sir. You also run drama. I do, yeah. Um, I have uh, yeah, been teaching 31 years now uh, over in Brewer, teaching at the high school, and did administrative work for a while, but then decided I just wanted to be in the classroom full-time, which I, I love, and then I, I direct all the, the high school plays. Yeah. done that for 24, 25 years, I guess. Kind of like a, like a, like a Wayne for Guffman situation. Yes, oh, yes. yeah. Actually, one of the only uh, Christopher Guest movies that Michael McKeon is not in. That's right. That's right. Uh, which is unfortunate. Fantastic movie. Oh my god! Yeah, Wait, waiting for Guffman. If you haven't seen it, uh, you're you just that you know. If you want to maybe have like a Fred Willard tribute night or something. Oh man! <laughs> I think that might be my favorite Fred Willard character is Ron and she, him and him and uh, yes. Catherine O'Hara oh, and Waiting yeah. for Guffman. Yeah. That and <laughs> he the, has and to the... have penis reduction surgery. <laughs> <laughs> that and, and, the, and the the commentator yeah, and, best in show. Best in show. Yeah. <laughs> what if you put a Sherlock Holmes hat and a little pipe in his mouth? I know I'd enjoy that. And that's uh, the judge, guy, man. Judge that's the guy. Eddie Franklin. I would... Actually, I think it's Edie Franklin. Oh, jeez. It's a woman. <laughs> I'd hate to go on a date with Judge Edie Franklin and ever judge me. That'd be no fun. Uh, that's the guy I wish we'd been able to get. We uh, tried a couple times to get Fred Willard. but He seems like he'd be like very gracious. and yeah, It's just yeah. probably getting him was difficult you know like, yeah well he was busy right up until the God, end he, yeah he was oh. he was doing stuff he with was, jimmy kimmel the week before he died mm, yeah and he was by far the best thing in uh in space force i mean oh, he didn't have a big know, part I in tried, it but, i tried i tried he, he was hilarious in that now we're referring to space force in the past tense uh did we, it's probably is it is it over already or uh i yeah i have not heard that there's going to be a second season i, I would two, i'd be two, very surprised just uh just got a text from the president. Oh, did we get? <laughs> is there a national text? Uh, uh, no, no. This says I'll tell you the story behind it. It says, "Can you keep a secret?" Oh, did you register for one of the? Uh... I've hand signed one of my iconic MAGA hats, and I want to give you priority access to win. 
donate to win it right now. I signed up to get tickets to his Portsmouth rally. Right, to mess it up. Yeah, I wouldn't go to. <laughs> yeah, which got canceled. But now they got me. Now I'm in the system, and every day. Yeah, you're supposed to give not your real information. But now, but now you get to at least, hey, at least but you I know what's like, up there. I kind of like seeing where they're going. Hey, maybe you should just go with it and see if you can get the hat. <laughs> you know? What if you got, it'd be amazing if you got the hat. And then you talk about it on the show. Fantastic. Because I mean, all you, know, always, you have to give money. You know, nothing. Oh. Nothing. Straight no free lunch, baby. How much? Well, that's what I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you want to pursue a conversation. I'm guessing you give money and you get nothing. There, there is yeah. no hat. <laughs> well, Donald there, Trump can't read nothing. and write. Yeah, Please I mean, contribute yeah. any amount in the next 20 minutes and win this iconic hat oh. autographed by your president. What a fucking peckerhead. I, uh, you know, <laughs> I just can't. Hey, elect a reality show star. This is That's what you get. You know, we get. didn't think, you know, everybody was like, even I was like, all right, well, let's see. You know, let's I see. Will. I'm trying to he be. Can't you know, win. Well, then when he won, I was like, all right, well, let's see what he does. And then after day two, I was like, okay, this is going to be bad. Um, yeah, and then recently I, li- I like that they've, uh, you know, sort of quietly decided that the all the data about the virus needs to be sent directly to the White House and not the CDC. Right, right, uh, right. You know, well, we'll take good care of it. We'll, oh, we, well, we'll take this from here. Right, we'll tell you, know, you what's More happening. testing equals more cases, um, but we'll take all the data. Amazingly, numbers have turned around dramatically. Yeah, there's been zero cases. Since we started collecting the <laughs> Absolutely data. cured. Wow. Yep. Pay no attention to those refrigerated morgue trucks. <laughs> yeah, right. it's it's a no. Per- the perfect virus, a perfect cure. We came up with a perfect cure. You should all head out and shop right now and go to parties. And- you know, there's just so many of those people. And it's funny, they all look like they could be, I mean, they like look the part. All of the oh, yeah. evil empire looks like they could literally be part <laughs> of the empire in Star Wars. It's like, like Betsy a- DeVos and Mitch McConnell. Like they look like they could easily be characters it's like a community theater production of goodfellas well i, I don't I, I don't follow well that, that they're they're really low rent gangsters but just not they're not even good at it yeah they're no, not they even aren't the good actors they're like the i think second that's, and that's giving them act. too much credit i like to picture them as just doing nothing <laughs> just being old and you know like like people who would be on the set like emperor palpatine you know yeah oh yeah yeah what can we do it's like they every day what can we do that will hurt somebody yeah, because nothing. There's nothing. Never anything positive. Right. It's uh, if Obama did it, it's bad, and we'll yeah. get rid of it. And if it if it helped somebody unfortunate, then by Jesus, we've yeah. got to get rid of. I that. like how the, it gets to the point of like, let's who we can antagonize. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. you know, Anthony Fauci. Like right. Let's just go after him, and you know, it's just and obviously <clears throat> talking about politics in this day and age. Uh, by the time anybody hears this. All of this will be ancient history. True. Yeah, there'll be there'll be a new demon that they've seen yeah, about. There'll be yeah. This will be like exactly. This, people won't even remember all these things. But yeah, it's it's just um, as we all know, it's out of hand. I don't think it needs to be said. This episode of the Fukuma Podcast is sponsored by Via Vecchia, uh, the brand new Italian restaurant in uh, Portland, Maine's Old Ports. Uh, if you are from Portland, Maine, you'll remember the space they're in is the uh, former house of uh, Vignola, which actually is the restaurant, the sister restaurant uh, that I worked at. It was the first job I had when I moved back from Chicago, all battered. And, and basically, like, I got back from Chicago uh, in 2000, and the end of 2002, and it was the equivalent of a plane landing on the runway with only... 
one of uh, one of the wheels on his landing gear actually functioning. Uh, I basically just hit the ground skidding and burning and crashing, uh, which was about to be, you know, of course, that will continue to be the trend, but I don't know. I felt it was the need to come back, and the first job I got was at Cinque Terre, which was the sister restaurant to Vignola, which is where Via Vecchia is. So Via Vecchia is actually owned... By that same person, Josh Miranda, who's uh, been on this podcast, but also owns Blythe and Burroughs, which is a cocktail bar in Portland, Maine. Uh, this restaurant, literally, they spared no expense. I mean, it is a beautiful, beautiful renovation. Uh, all Italian wine lists, with the exception of some of the sparkling. Uh, and the menu just, you know, keeps it, it keeps it simple. It's one page. You know, they have everything from, you know, pizza to handmade pasta they have uh, this delicious uh, bucatini with little night clams, mussels, lemon zest, botarga. They do a delicious chicken scarparello, which is essentially like a, a chicken dish with sausage and, and vinegar that's just got like, you know, hits all the flavor notes. It's delicious. Uh, and they have burrata. Burrata is one of those things that if I see it, uh, I'm always going to order it. If it's on a menu, it's like blood sausage, uh, caviar, sweetbreads, burrata. These are all things that I don't. If, if if they're on the menu, I'm ordering them. I don't really care. And Via Vecchia is located at 10 Dana Street uh, in Portland, Maine, uh, 04101. Uh, you can check them out on the web at vvoldport.com. Uh, definitely, like I said, worth. If you're coming to Portland or if you already live here and you haven't been yet, uh, you got to go check it out. Uh, it was one of the restaurants, you know, supposed to, unfortunately, you know, supposed to open March 17th, obviously set back, but handled it with grace. And the product, it, it almost gave them more time to, to, to really hone what they're doing and make it great. And I love this place. And I think you will too. So go check it out. Via Vecchia in Portland's Old Ports. We are back, a Vec Spiced Rum. Now, Carrie, so this must actually be really difficult for you. I mean, it's difficult for everybody with the with the pandemic and the, and the quarantine. But you, in particular, spend a lot of time in New Orleans. It's kind of part of your whole, it's, I mean, how many how much time a year do you think you spend there? Uh, we, we usually take three or four trips a year. So yeah. in each trip's a little over a week. Yeah. So, you know, some three to, three to four weeks a year we're down there. Yeah. Now he's a homeowner there. Oh, good. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, we bought a house there a couple of years ago, and actually, uh, the last time we were down in January, we we finally um, finished up the apartment. So we have an apartment available. We rent the house, but we have an apartment available uh, since we left in January and have not been able to be back. Well, well if I get down there before you, <laughs> I'll let you know if, uh, if I can borrow your apartment, but, uh, the apartment is available. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> so January is the last time you were there. Obviously. I don't know when, uh, know. January 3rd, I think, or 4th we left. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it, it, it was, yeah, it, it started breaking. Well, they, they got hit early because they got hit after Mardi Gras um in february and and it's you know we've been talking with our renters and we have made a lot of friends because we've been doing this three or four trips a year for 15 years now yeah um essentially and we got a lot of friends down there it's been a rough time for for them down there definitely yeah 
I can imagine. And I'm hoping you can get back down there again soon. Um, you, in the meantime, well, you, you, you turn me on to this. You discovered this rum, the spiced rum that you buy by the case. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which my that, wife said, you're never going to go through that case of rum. Yeah. yeah it, I said, yeah, yeah, we will. I have to say, so when <laughs> I first heard spice rum, I was skeptical because basically when I was a, you know, early teen, when I read Captain Morgan's spice rum, that sounded like something that would taste really good to me. Like, ooh, spice rum. That sounds like it must be like cloves and, mm. and a warm, warming spices, <laughs> nutmeg, maybe some star anise. I don't know. Yes, I don't know if have time. But uh, then the first sip I had, I'm like, this is fucking gross, dude. And I think I threw up that night. Uh, it was definitely not not pleasant. So I don't think I'd had any spiced rum since. And so you, when you busted out this bottle, I was like, I was I was wary. Oh, but no, it, it is. It, it was a, uh, yeah, it, it, the first time I offered it to you, it was a, what's the word I'm looking for? It was a, uh, it was a cordial. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. He's offering it. I'll go ahead and accept it. I'm not going to like it. I mean, there was a lot. Next thing I'm filling my glass to the top. <laughs> like this is good. I'm like the, nope. I'm like Chris Farley as a gap girl. <laughs> you need to be here in the studio around Mardi Gras time when Carrie's making hurricanes. Yeah, I do need to be here for that. With you make it with this. I do. Yeah. That'd yes. Be perfect for that. Hurricane is what? Just is this grenadine and, and uh, it's uh, a passion fruit juice oh, is yep. the is the base. Um, good hurricanes. I mean, yeah. they're, they're a lot of the ones that most people make are just like Kool Aid well, like flavored. Most most, <laughs> most drinks in that you know. But genre. yeah, uh, there is grenadine in it there. But pomegranate juice, uh, not pomegranate. Passion fruit juice is is the base of of a good hurricane. Yeah, and passion fruit is absolutely delicious. Um, yeah especially with this rum i can imagine uh and actually i don't know if you have you been to uh O restaurant in portland i guess i pretty probably haven't been up there. i mean people just starting to get back to restaurants in general but it's been there for about uh, a year or so it's uh no, Cajun, Cajun restaurant oh really uh, e-a-u-x oh um hmm. i was there on sunday okay brunch. so that is i i saw the 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 photos you were posting i didn't yeah. know if that was yeah, the gumbo. Their thing, yeah. or if that was just happened to be some of the dishes nope. they had. The beignets, the gumbo, the shrimp and grits. They got, you know, the fried chicken and waffles. But the, the gumbo, he does like a a, a duck fat roux. Uh, mm. And it's like, and the, it's just that dark chocolate. It's like, it's phenomenal, you know. And they have uh, uh, crystal hot sauce, oh, which is nice. Yeah. Um, doing it right. But uh, this remind, you remind me with the hurricane story is they have these, they have the frozen daiquiris, the coconut daiquiris. Oh. Lime daiquiris, yeah, coconut daiquiri and gumbo. You're doing pretty good. I was that's, that's I was okay. feeling all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Once we uh, get back to a some semblance of normal, I'll have to go down and check it out. Uh, dark for me, a dark roux gumbo is the only way to go. I, yeah, I know some people do lighter ones. I think that's no. just a shortcut when you do a lighter one. It's like when you get either a tired of stirring, b <laughs> nervous you're gonna burn the fucking thing because you're gonna start all over mm -hmm. again. And do. Um, you know, there's really no option. It's like one of those things, like when you burn garlic, it's like, I mean, I, you can't, you can't use this. You right. got to like go back and start again. Uh, an interesting method that I actually, um, became privy to was, uh, baking the flour. I've done that and it does it work works really, well. really well. You yeah. have to, once it starts browning, you have same as, as cooking it on the stovetop. You yeah. have to really watch it once it starts browning. Right. But, uh, my, my, but it's also not as painful if you lose the batch when it's just been sitting in the stove. Rather than something you've been stirring for twenty minutes, you know. Yeah, the shortcut I did with the stirring was uh, was 
under the guise of teaching my daughter how to cook, she was the rooster. Yeah, that's so like why people are like, can there. I help? I'm like, you can pick cilantro. Yeah, I got a great job for you. <laughs> yeah, while I was over there chopping stuff, she was she was stirring the <laughs> Henry room. Henry says, don't let the sauce stick. <laughs> <laughs> so how did she do? Did she burn it? Or? Uh, no, no, she did a good job. But he's the key when you're stirring things that you don't want to burn. I, mean, I know it's the key with like curry pastes and whatnot, is you're stirring in, in an eight, like a figure eight pattern. Yeah. Yeah, that works real well, and uh, and what I always told her was, don't forget the sides. Right. You got every once in a while, you got to go around the sides, get anything that's sticking. <laughs> now, um, do but, you what, what's in a perfect gumbo? All the all the stuff, or you know, I, I my big problem when I make gumbo is it has to be when we're having people over because I have not yet been able to make a gumbo for two people. <laughs> No, it just once no, no. it gets started. I can't make anything it, for two people, though, to be honest. Like, once it gets started, it just becomes because there are so many ingredients. Even if you put small amounts in, but yeah, I usually will start with chicken and sausage, and then yep. it's according to what I have. If you know, shrimp, you must shrimp cook the way at the very I do, end. which is to just keep adding things until I get the flavor I'm looking for. I mean, and you not, can't I mean, make a small. Well, with batch gumbo, I think there's a little more of a formula than that. You got to fall. Now, are you an okra or a filet powder? Uh, I have used both. Yeah. Uh, filet is is the one I always use. I I will if I happen to have seen some fresh okra in the store, which isn't all that common up here. I'll buy some and throw it in. But yeah. uh, I use filet as as the, the okra. Uh, Just usually, I mean, like I find that like Whole Foods always has okra. Um, yeah, we don't have one. Oh, that's right. You're in Bangor. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. These people yeah. are in, yeah, they're we outside get, of civilization. Hannafin. We get yeah. you Hannafin. Yeah, Hannafin's there's okra. There's ghetto Shaw's down yeah. there, but Jesus, I'm not going in there. <laughs> I like to say I soak the okra in, the, in a little bit of lime, you know, because I don't yeah. think you, you're not really using it as a thickener, I don't think, in that recipe. So, like, when you soak the okra in the lime, it takes away some of that slimy uh, mm. texture that can be I've never tried that. I yeah, I learned that from that. cooking, like, Brazilian, like, bahian stews. Okay. Uh, that's how they do it. But, yeah, you're right. A gumbo is, there. there's the base of the gumbo, which is the roux, the onions, the peppers, and the celery. And then once you've got those down is when you start, you know, what what do you want to throw in with it? And that that's that's where I start looking at what I have around. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've done turkey. I've done... Turkey would be delicious in it. Tur I mean, turkey's I mean, turkey really good. I, I don't understand why turkey is relegated to Thanksgiving only in this country for a lot, for so many people. It's I don't like, either. I like it better than chicken. Yeah. Mm. I mean, turkey is... It's like, you know, obviously I like duck, but duck's really expensive. Turkey isn't really expensive. It's just like everybody thinks you have to buy a huge full bird. You ever eaten groundhog? Because Carrie's got a... <laughs> Big, big supply of those around his house. Oh, see, so my dad has, the, he makes that death trap thing with the sunflower seeds. Have you heard of that? No. Oh, my God. Let me tell you. So my dad was that, and he is like a consummate gardener, um, hates being retired, just needs to be working on something, you know, 26 hours a day, uh, is out there. Like, he, like recently, like he like tore down this huge shed in our yard and is rebuilding it on his own uh, by himself, the whole project. But anyway, having a, it was having a, ch a chipmunk problem or groundhog chipmunk uh both at both. my house yeah. so uh to the point where it actually we, we have an above ground pool one of them got like under the the thing and made like a divot oh yeah in the in the pool yeah, yeah. so he's you know naturally bent right the fuck out of shape you know um <laughs> he's like the the guy in that onion article with, like those those mother you know this yeah, means war those motherfucking <laughs> robins are on thin ice with me is that the, <laughs> yeah so these groundhog are on thin ice with my dad so he gets his friends like oh you know it's have you tried the whole thing with a bucket and he's like 
So you take a bucket and you put like a piece of wood in it, or, or no, you take a bucket and a piece of wood that leads up to it, and you fill the bucket with sunflower seeds. And they go in there and they get them and they drown. Oh. And he caught like the first, like 25 of them. And like my sister's oh. dog who lives, like, they, they, it's like the biggest part of the day when they go out to check the bucket together, the dog flips out. <laughs> Although the one day I was there and I saw him get one, he went to throw it over the back fence. I don't know what happened to him. He definitely, he he uh, had a, uh, he balked. <laughs> like so, I like, hit the fence and bounced off, and the dog just oh. jumped. And then just hearing him go, "Let go, let go!" And the dog's like just growling. I'm like, "It's a dead chipmunk," you know. Oh, I'm like, God. "I'm like, I hope its tail doesn't come off. It looks like its about to come off." But anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's a little gruesome because they drown. But this is like a a, a time honored way oh, of well. just. Carrie's dealing... yard is like the killing fields. Yeah, my my cat has this summer. Well, my... this will make it even more. Yeah, like, cats. I don't think cats are a problem with this. Cats yeah. don't like sunflower seeds and water. I don't think. No, no, my cat has killed four chipmunks this summer. Nice. Um, uh, we've trapped four groundhogs and released them over in Crosstown in Except the for city the two forest. That you killed. And then today we had <laughs> no. one that just died on our lawn, one groundhog. <laughs> uh, that was two weeks ago. And just had enough. I guess. I, <laughs> this cruel world. He missed his friends? Yeah, I yeah, don't know exactly. Because you murdered his friends. You kidnapped his friends, and then you murdered <laughs> him. That's Yeah, and then we, we still had one that we were seeing, so I set the, the, the have a heart trap and uh, trapped him today. My wife called me to come release him, and by the time I got home, the thing was dead in the trap. <laughs> So, yeah, we, we've had man, rodents on our property this year have not had a good year. Yeah, well, you know what? It's your property. And uh, <laughs> it's funny. I got a very close friend of mine. She admitted to me uh, her ex-husband was somebody who used to use the – because I was telling her about my dad's bucket thing. She's like, oh, the bucket of death. I was like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, she admitted to – she's like an animal lover and admitted to one time seeing one go in. And then when her husband kind of walked away, she went out and rescued it. <laughs> like out of the <laughs> – She's like, I had to, she's like, literally, yeah. it, was, it was just, it was in there a while, and I had to... Throw it a little life preserver? Yeah, like, just kind of <laughs> take it and toss it, yeah, like, go back to wherever you came from. But, um, yeah, I guess, so I guess it's a controversial method, mm. but it's an effective one, so... Uh, but we usually coexist with the groundhogs, but what happens is they get to a certain population level, and they start eating my wife's flowers, and that's... Well, that's the whole thing, they eat the, they're eating the stuff right. in the garden, they're eating the flowers, and they, like, once again, once they start destroying the pool... <laughs> yeah, like, that that's that's when I get the go ahead to start trapping the groundhogs. Yeah. Is when my wife's flowers we have a start disappearing. Right out here, right outside our window, yeah. though. And I'm convinced it's a relative of the ones that Carrie has. Oh, so it's relocated. like haunting you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Reloc where, relocate. Where did you take my family? We gave your, <laughs> where's my dad? We where's gave your mom? brother to a nice farm family up north. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I was told about my first dog. Yeah. I was like 30. I went, hey, you didn't. Nikki hey, didn't go to yeah. a farm. <laughs> you don't even like, know any farmers. <laughs> <laughs> you just figure that out. Yes, I did. I had the dumbest pets when I was a kid. I had like a turtle, um, hermit crabs, uh, chameleons. Um, I had a cat who thought she was a dog. Oh, I have a. Yeah. She would bark. She would, she would really emit this like ah ah ah, and she would chase cars. If you we had to wow. tie her up because she would beat up. Not only cats, but dogs wow. in the neighborhood. What was, the, what was his name? Uh, this is the best part. We inherited it, and I think it came from some cousins, and I think maybe it wasn't treated well, which is why it was so mean at which the world. Which is unfortunate, right? But it was but, a yeah. yellow cat named Snowy. Uh. So we used to call her Yellow Snowy. <laughs> right. Well, 
So it's again, just, she had a lot on her plate to deal with. Uh, I understand her anger. Was it Snowball? Is that the Simpsons cat? I think so. Yeah. 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 Snowball too. And yeah. 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 This um, was vicious yellow snowy. Yeah. Our family cat that we inherited, or that we adopt, you know, from somebody else's dirty name was Beastie Boy, <laughs> uh, which was uh, interesting. But that cat lived to be like twenty-one. Whoa. I mean, it was wow. like it was like an outdoor cat. It was like a hunter. Like that thing at the end was like just like grandpa like ragged, like but it could still take <laughs> things down. You wouldn't mess with it. You know, it was just like this just wise old man. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. grizzled. But uh, yeah, my um, my my the thing is, I was I was always impulsive, and I my parents would let me have whatever I wanted, uh, which explains why I'm the way I am now. Which is <laughs> I'm, the, I'm, the I'm the fucking worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so because I was just a spoiled brat, but I'm not even like a really rich spoiled brat. So it's even worse. Like I wish I wish I was at least mega rich because then I wouldn't have to acknowledge oh. it. I could Were you an only child? Live into that. No, I no. have a younger sister. Oh, okay. Um, but anyway. The one that they did not. That was my justification for being a spoiled brat as the only child. Yeah, well, in my mind, I was the only child. Well, yeah, uh, I was just like, yeah, you're dead <laughs> to me. So, um, but I was glad they finally put their foot down when I asked for a tarantula because I feel like that would have been that could have gone. They would not let me get a tarantula. Good, carry the spiders. Good, uh, yeah, I have. I am really bad with spider. I, I mean, as as a friend of mine. Yeah told me once and and i agreed with him and he said you have arachnophobia and i yeah. you, you could probably go to somebody and and get over that and i said well or i could do spend the money or i could just stomp them with my size yeah, 16 just stay foot. away from the spiders yeah. yeah so i i've gone with the just stomp them but yeah. i, I once i once threatened i worked with a guy at a pizza place that had a tarantula and he would talk about his pet tarantula and he said one day he said, oh, I got to bring it in to show you. And I looked him in the face, in, in the eyes, and said, if you bring that tarantula in, it is going in the oven. <laughs> and he said, it? you wouldn't dare to. And I said, you go ahead and try me. And he, the tarantula never got in the building. I guess that reminds me. I guess in that, in that segment I did, I ate tarantula, didn't I? Yes, right. Yeah. Down yeah. east. Yeah. Woof. Right. It just tasted like a sunflower seed that was kind of buggy. Yeah. yeah, that's what bugs taste like. They were taste there like any buggies. of those bugs that were good that yeah. you enjoyed? The the chapelines. Oh, yeah, the the Mexican grasshoppers yep. are delicious. They're really good. They actually make a really famous uh, uh, mole with them in, mm. in Mexico. Mm. Um, the crickets were good. The black ants were delicious. They had like serve them like a caviar. They sell them in a caviar tin, uh, and they have like a really like a citrusy kind of flavor to them. Mm. There's a bar in Portland, Blythe and Burroughs, that they were doing drink like they rim the glass with the ants. And what was that? Was it mealworms that you ate? Um, no. I ate the mope worms, which from um, the DRC. Those were fine. Like termites were just like basically like just like little crunchers. Uh, these like wood termites. Most of the, the bugs are African. I think they get a little bigger there. Um, one of the scorpions was tasty. The smaller one. The larger scorpion just tasted like the water bug and the tarantula and the big bugs. They just sort of, it's just a, it's like something that if you had to survive, yeah. you, you could yeah. do it. And they were sun dried, you know, like they were, they didn't have any flavoring added to them or anything. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that was absolutely vile was there was this red centipede from like Mozambique or something oh. that was, uh, it tasted like diesel fuel. It was really Ooh. disgusting. Yeah. Um, I've had a couple of things. I've been to a, an insectarium, and yep. they had a you know a cafe where you could, yeah. you know, most of them are fine. But I mean, it's yeah, like I, you think about it, it's it's not. I mean, it's not that weird to eat like a grasshopper or a cricket. No, because they're yeah. just when you think about the things that we eat out of the from the water, 
right. you know? Mm. But if there was something that looked like a tarantula that swam in the water, I probably wouldn't want to eat that either. Like, you know, no, it's like... No, no, no. I'd run screaming from it as yeah, well. Yeah, an aquatic tarantula. <laughs> Put it in the oven, but not yeah. to cook it and eat it. No, 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 it was not. It was just a threat to keep him from bringing the hairy beast into our workspace. Well, I don't think that there's any better place to end on than throwing tarantulas in a peach, uh, into a pizza oven. So <laughs> I want to thank... I want to thank Rich Kimball and Carrie Haskell, host and co-host of the Downtown with Rich Kimball show on WZON. You can catch them every day, right? Yeah, every day, Monday through Friday, once and on Sunday, Sunday morning at But night. just not Saturday. Right. Saturdays, it's our uh, it's, uh, hangover day. It's the, <laughs> <laughs> it's the hangover. It's, it's the uh, spice rum hangover yeah. day. Uh, I'm Joe Riccio. This is the Fukuma Podcast.